We're going to read from God's precious word. We would ask you to turn in the word of God to the book of the Psalms. We're turning tonight to the Psalm numbered nine. The Psalm nine. And we're going to read together from the first verse. You can see from the title that it is a psalm of David. The psalm number 9 and the verse 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thy most high. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne, judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thy enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities, their memorial is perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thy Lord has not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me, thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they have made, and the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands, Hegeon, Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. Amen. We know that the Lord himself will add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. If you have your Bible before you, I would draw your attention to the ninth psalm. And here in the ninth psalm, we come down to the verse 17. In verse 17, we read, The wicked 
shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And I want you to consider this evening the reality of hell. Let us just unite our hearts together and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do praise thee for all that has gone before this evening. We do thank thee, our Father, for the messages and song. We praise thee for the reading of thy precious word. And even as we would come now in the gospel to consider the reality of hell, that thou wouldst write thy word indelibly upon every heart. Give us help from heaven in the ministry of thy word and use it tonight, our Father, to the salvation of precious souls. Hear us, O God, in heaven, thy dwelling place, and abide with us now. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. The text of Scripture before us tonight, the Psalm 9 and the verse 17, it makes reference to the reality of hell. The wicked shall be turned into hell. The psalmist David is considering here the end of the wicked. He is speaking about their eternal destiny. The destiny of the wicked is before us tonight. Unless we would distance ourselves from that term wicked and think that the word wicked doesn't apply to us, we can see that the wicked are simply those who forget the Lord. The verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And so forgetting the Lord is termed as wickedness. Matthew Henry, the Bible commentator, he says this is the cause of all wickedness in the world, the forgetfulness of God. Forgetfulness of God. And surely tonight there are multitudes and they want to forget God. Those who want to forget about the person of God, the attributes of God, the character of God, and the law of God, and the justice of God. Man wants to forget God. God is not in his thoughts. Even yesterday, tens of thousands on the streets of Belfast who wanted to forget God, but there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And our text of Scripture tonight tells us that the wicked shall be turned into hell. And while to some it may seem a small thing, and it may seem a very trivial thing to put the Lord out of your thoughts and to put the Lord out of your life 
and to try and forget the Lord. We can see that this is the very reason why man will be turned into hell. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Here's the ultimate ruin of the sinner. You might think tonight, well, this is the very stern side of the gospel. And no doubt tonight we know that there is a reluctance in certain pulpits to mention hell. There would be a reluctance in pulpits across Northern Ireland tonight and they wouldn't want to preach upon the subject of hell. They may want to refer exclusively to the love of God and to the goodness of God, but never to the severity of God, never to the wrath of God. And yet the goodness and severity of God are twin attributes. When the Apostle Paul was writing to the Romans in chapter 11 and the verse 22, he said, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. And so you must behold and think about both the goodness and the severity of God. There is no doubt a change in relation to preaching on the doctrine of endless punishment. What may be in the Bible may be clearly before us in the Scriptures, but hell is something today that's avoided. Maybe there's just an allusion to it. Maybe there's just a vague reference to a punishment hereafter. Maybe there's just a passing comment that is made that there's another place. It's not only heaven. But you know, society today reaps the consequences of that. There is no fear of God before their eyes because there is no fear of hell. Some would want to argue tonight, oh, the New Testament emphasizes the love of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God and that we shouldn't dwell upon the wrath of God. But when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ and his own ministry, and surely there's none so loving, none so gracious, none so tender than the Lord Jesus, and yet he spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And the Savior taught of eternal punishment, and he did so with great boldness. And so therefore this evening, as we just consider for a few moments together the reality of hell, I want you firstly to think about the description of hell. And our verse of Scripture says, The wicked shall be turned into hell. And the word that's translated hell here in our authorized King James Version of the Bible is translated hell 31 times in the Old Testament. On a further 31 occasions, it's translated grave. And on three further occasions, it's translated pit. Whenever you Think of the words in Isaiah 38 and the verse 10. 
Hezekiah was speaking and he said, I shall go to the gates of the grave. And so it is clear that the word can be used to just speak generally of the grave and speak about the lot of all men. However, a closer examination of the usage of the word would demonstrate that it must take in the thought of something more specific than just the grave itself. The word appears in Deuteronomy 32 and the verse 22, and it's the Lord who is speaking here, and he says, For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell. And so the word hell here is speaking to us of a place, And it's speaking to us of a place where the fire is kindled. There's the idea of punishment here. And therefore, when the Lord is saying that the wicked shall be turned into hell, he's referring to a place of future punishment, a place of retribution. The wicked who forget God. The nations that forget God. They're not just going to the grave. It's not annihilation. They're going to a real place, a place called hell, a place that the Lord Jesus Christ himself has spoken about in the New Testament. And in Matthew 11 and the verse 23, the Lord said, And thy Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. And the Lord was warning the people of Capernaum, and he sets hell in direct contrast to heaven. Matthew 16 and the verse 18, the Lord said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's abundantly clear to us that when we read the Word of God and the references to hell, that it's referring to an actual place, the reality of hell. And it's described to us there throughout the Scriptures. Luke chapter 16, where it's the rich man. It tells us of the rich man in hell. He's in that place. And it says, in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And so when you think about hell and how it's described in the Bible, it's described as an actual place. And it's a place of future punishment. It's a place of fire. It's a place of burning. It's a place of torments. Matthew 8 and 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of outer darkness. Furthermore, in Matthew 5 and 9, the Lord said, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. That's the verse where the Lord speaks about the whole body being cast into hell. And surely when you think tonight 
about this description of hell as it's revealed in the Word of God as a real place. It ought to make us think tonight of where we stand before a holy and a righteous God. For the wicked shall be turned into hell. The description of that place and the duration of that place There are many verses and many expressions which bring out the awful reality of this place. We would do well tonight to dwell on any one of those verses, but I just want to read a few more verses to you on this subject of hell. That little epistle of Jude with just the one chapter in verse 13, it says of hell, to whom is reserved the blackness of of darkness forever. The blackness of darkness forever. Again in Mark 3 and the verse 29, But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and the verse 9, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. These verses are giving to us a clear indication of the very nature of this place. Place of darkness. The blackness of darkness. But it says the blackness of darkness forever. Forever. It's speaking about those in danger of damnation. But in danger of eternal damnation. Those who shall be punished with destruction from the presence of the Lord. But it says they'll be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. It has to be highlighted this evening. That the condition of the soul that is turned into hell, it's a condition that they will endure forever. It's the blackness of darkness forever. It's those who are going to face eternal damnation. It's everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And when you think about hell tonight, you think about the duration of hell. It's never ending. Those words eternal and everlasting, they must be taken literally to mean exactly that. The very same words which describe eternal life and everlasting life. They're the same words that describe eternal death and everlasting destruction. And you might want to think tonight about eternal life and about everlasting life in heaven. But the duration of hell is just the same. And Paul speaks to us of eternal salvation and of an eternal redemption, but how foolish it would be to accept that duration and not accept the duration of hell. The book of the Revelation speaks to us about the lake of fire. And it says, It burneth 
forever and ever. And no amount of tears will ever quench the fires of hell. And no amount of time will ever end the destruction and the torment of hell. It's a place where the wrath of Almighty God is poured out. It's a place of intolerable and never-ceasing torment. The wicked shall be turned into hell. The description of that place and the duration of that place. But thank God tonight we can speak about the deliverance from hell. Over in Psalm 49 and the verse 15 where the same word is used, it says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Or we could read it from the power of hell. God shall redeem my soul from the power of hell. And isn't it good tonight that we can speak about that deliverance from the pit of hell? This book gives to us the clear way of escape. When you think about that place of eternal death and of everlasting destruction, you don't need to go to that place called hell. You never need be in hell. The whole plan of God was for man's redemption and to redeem us from the pit of hell. In Psalm 103, the psalmist says of the Lord, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. And thank God for that great work of redemption, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was poured out as he hung there upon Calvary's tree, the blood of Jesus Christ, listen, that cleanseth us from all sin. Those who will come to acknowledge that they're sinners, they're guilty, they're hell-deserving tonight, but they can come to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They can know the cleansing power of his precious blood. They can know their sins being covered over tonight. They can know what it is to be pardoned. They can know what it is to be made ready for heaven. And to be saved tonight. To be saved from hell. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 5 and the verse 9. And he said much more then. Being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Once that soul has come to Christ. We're saved from wrath. Once that soul has come to Christ, we're shut in, we're sheltered from the wrath of God, and all condemnation is removed. Hell's fire cannot reach you. Hell's torments cannot harm you. You think of the three Hebrew children that we read about in the book of Daniel. They were cast into the fiery furnace uh, that was turned uh, to seven times hotter. And yet it tells us that their very clothes were not singed and there wasn't even the smell of smoke about them. The fire did not harm them. And so it is for those that are shut in to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that through his substitutionary death and through his sacrifice there upon that center tree, you can be saved tonight. And you're saved from the wrath which is to come. Revelation, the chapter 2 and the verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Those who escape the second death, those who escape the lake of fire, those who are saved from hell and from the wrath to come, not only way of escape tonight is through faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Though that you would come tonight, if you've never come before, that you would come tonight to the Savior. You wouldn't put the matter of your soul's salvation off any longer. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There's danger and there's death in delay. We know not what a day may bring forth. We don't even know what the rest of this day holds for us. Therefore, there's an urgency tonight. This is the difference between eternal life and eternal death. This is the difference between everlasting life in heaven and everlasting destruction in hell. It's too serious. It's too important a matter for you to put off anymore. Because if God was to take the breath from your body and you passed from time out into eternity, it's too late. It's too late if you open up your eyes in hell. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. We come tonight with the effort in the gospel to warn sinners to flee, to flee from the wrath which is to come and to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. When the meeting is over tonight, don't go away if your heart is troubled. The Holy Spirit of God is striving with you, maybe spoken to you through the drive-in services. Don't go away tonight. Just remain where you are in the car park. And when we're packing up the equipment, you could come and speak to us. What a joy it would be tonight to go into the church and to find the quiet corner and to sit down with you and to open up the scriptures and to show you tonight from God's own precious word how your soul can be saved for all eternity. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening. We'll ask thank Angela and Ada for ministering to us in song this evening, and may the Lord bless that peace even to our hearts at the close of our service tonight. Let us just unite together in a closing word of prayer. Our gracious God and our loving Father, 
We do thank thee for thy hand of blessing upon us, even throughout our drive-in gospel witness. We thank thee, our Father, for meeting with us, even week by week here in the open air. And we would ask, O God, that thou wouldst bless the good seed of the gospel that has been sown. And we ask, our Father, that it might take root downward into hearts and may it bear fruit upward into lives. We pray even for those tonight who have heard again thy word and the invitation in the gospel. There are those, our Father, who are halting between two opinions. Give grace tonight, O God, that they would decide for the Lord Jesus Christ and might come, our Father, in repentance toward God and faith in our Lord and Savior. Separate us, O God, in thy fear and with thy blessing. Take us each one to our homes in safety to abide with us there. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship, the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, rest, remain, and abide with each one, both now and ever. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.